Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 94. Welcome back, Adamantomaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope that everyone is having a productive and safe uh, and sane time at home. I hope that you've found relief in, you know, maybe extra family time or a project that you've been meaning to get to for a while. And always keeping in mind that right now staying at home is the best for all of us. And that being said, we are going to do something today that I said I was never going to do for this podcast, and that's have a conversation that's not face-to-face in person. One of my favorite things about doing these podcast interviews is being able to look the person in the eye, and there's a much more honesty and uh, much more willingness to talk naturally when you are in the same room as someone. But obviously, at the moment, given the current climate, we can't do that. So I thought long and hard about what would be the best approach to keep the podcast going in this time. And I thought to start anyways, we'll do a series of stay home episodes. And we'll start by inviting back some of my favorite guests that we've had on the show previously, guests that I have maybe already developed a rapport with or some kind of connection. So at least it's not the meeting someone for the first time and not being able to see them type of situation. We're going to start there anyways. I'm also the type of person who doesn't like to pass on opportunities. So if we do get the opportunity to have some very exciting people on the podcast, just not in person at this time, uh, then we very well may move forward. And obviously for you, the listener, as long as the quality is good, it has no effect on you, whether I'm in the same room with the person. So for our inaugural episode of the stay home episodes, I figured who else better to have on than one of our favorite guests on this podcast. And that is comedian James Mullinger, who is now doing his third episode of the Adamantium podcast. James has been on the podcast every single season since we started, and we are more than thrilled to have him back again. So James and I did a podcast together, me from my home in Toronto and him from his home in New Brunswick. And I spoke to James, of course, uh, about how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting his career and his life as well as many other interesting topics. And it's always, always such a pleasure to speak to James. He's a very easy interview and just a great person to chit-chat with in general. And James recorded his second comedy special just over a year ago. It was actually right after we did our second episode together. It's called Almost Canadian. It is absolutely hilarious, just as good as the first special. And shortly after we were all asked to socially distance from each other, James offered this comedy special for free online. He's uploaded it to YouTube, so you can watch it online absolutely for free. So definitely take advantage and and check it out. Like I said, it is hilarious. So if you are tuning into the Adamantium podcast for the very first time today, first of all, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope to have you back again sometime. And you can do that by hitting that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. You can also find the Adamantium podcast on social media. We are on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, on Instagram at the Adamantium, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. And without taking up any more of your time, let's get into today's episode featuring comedian James Mullinger right here on episode number 94 of the Adamantium podcast, the first of the Stay Home series of episodes. Enjoy everyone. Stay home, stay safe, stay healthy. 
Have a good week, and we will see you very, very soon. It's funny, isn't it, how uh, this, the whole, everything that's going on in the world is forcing us to learn all this new technology. I know, it's true. And I, luckily, I've done one of these, uh, like, the other way. Someone interviewed me. Right. So you, this, and that's why I got the, the thought to use this one. And it seems to be the go-to for virtual podcasting. Nice. Oh, well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm super um, glad you've introduced me to it. It's very cool. Yeah, it is, and it uh, it seems to work pretty pretty well when you get it working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hopefully now we're good till the end. Happy days. Yes, yes. I have to say, James, it's nice to hear a friendly voice. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Yeah. I was uh, delighted when I got your email because uh, yeah, it's funny how um, everything's changed. Everything's changed. Yeah. Everything changed. I mean, I'm sure it's affected your career. Uh, yeah. Greatly, <laughs> yeah. I mean everything. It's um, you know, there's as you know. I mean, obviously, there's two two facets to what I do, and obviously, I mean, the magazine business is, of course, you know, uh, hugely affected by it. Um, but mm-hmm. in terms of the comedy, the comedy is just just gone. Like, just yeah, just, yeah, just can't do it, right? It's um, so that's been uh, yeah. It, I mean, it's just incredible how so much has happened just in the past few weeks i mean three weeks ago when i think was the day that in canada they kind of announced okay no gatherings of over 100 people that kind of thing mm-hmm. um i had a big show the following day like a like a thousand people show again one that i spent six months promoting of course right you know, huge kind of financial implications with 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 cancelling it um and uh and at the time i'm kind of like well this is ridiculous and then gradually of course over the past three weeks i mean every day you d- d- discover something new and and uh it's it's hard to fathom now and of course w- w- when that one was postponed to june uh mm-hmm. that felt like a long way away and now i'm basically accepting that that june show will not be happening right i know now we're looking at you and it's interesting it's funny the way you say like Literally every day things are changing in our outlook. Yeah. And it's I think I said it on a couple the introduction of a couple episodes ago. So I had a couple episodes of this banked. So yeah. I was like, well, we'll see how that goes. And maybe once I've used those, you know, things will be back to normal-ish. Right. <laughs> and uh I was saying, Oh, well, maybe we'll meet with more local guests. <laughs> and I was like, Well, now that obviously seems ridiculous too. Yes, that's I mean, it. You can't be face to face with anyone. Yeah, it's that's exactly it, isn't it? It's like each day there's a different kind of uh expectation or hope or uh, you know, all of these things just get dashed. And um like you say, like it's like, oh we we won't be able to do any things uh in other countries and then it's like won't be able to do things in other provinces and now it's like oh we can't leave the house yeah <laughs> yeah it's um yeah it's it's absolutely shocking and um i think of course what is so fascinating about this time is just the in the past when there have been problems in certain industries or fields or provinces or countries you know those uh issues or whatever the the thing is that is affecting everyone within that industry or province or country whatever it is um it just affects them and and people in other parts of the world might be aware of it they might not be but it's so odd to have this thing happening where the same thing is affecting 
everyone wherever every, they live yeah every single person on the planet yeah right and it's you know when i think back to I mean, this time a year ago uh here in new brunswick the big concern was this terrible flooding that we had and it was just mm-hmm. a very kind of depressing time where you know almost everyone you knew had, was having their house flooded and but then you speak to friends in london and they'd have no idea this was going on or you even speak mm-hmm. to friends in ontario they didn't even know it was going yeah on. i had no idea right right <laughs> that's it right and it's you know and um and then suddenly now to have to have this um this kind of you know the traumatic kind of global uh you know pandemic where whether you're living in New Brunswick, which let's face it, I mean, we were already living in something of a self-isolated um, environment uh, to be talking to friends. And, and and what was, again, what was odd speaking to friends in London last week was that on on that dreaded Friday three weeks ago when we realised in Canada how, how kind of serious this was, the British Prime Minister was still telling everyone in London uh, business as usual, uh, yeah. carry on yeah. as normal, don't worry about it. So uh, they all thought that we were overreacting here. And of course, mm-hmm. what's transpired is, I mean, that was a, a, a well, a, literally an absurd and deadly approach that has cost, uh, you know, many, many lives in England. And suddenly and now they've kind of obviously caught up with us there and they are on lockdown now. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's odd when you talk to people in different industries, whether it be, you know, again, it, essentially it's kind of made the world a smaller place in many ways because, yeah. um, you know, a stand-up comedian in Canada is going through the same thing that you know a uh, a contractor is going through in Papua New Guinea. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's yeah. You, any person who needs to be around other people and everyone's businesses is just stop overnight. We all just stopped earning. And that's that's another thing that's kind of changed day to day too. Because well, here in Ontario, like Doug Ford just uh, announced another whole set of restrictions yesterday, or another whole bunch of industries that are going to close. Right. And that's another thing that's changing day to day. So I like I I too have two facets to what I do. I run our family business as well as doing all this, you know, music and podcasting and all that that's stuff. Right. I remember. Yeah. So our our family business has been now we're one of those companies that are kind of in that gray area. Like, are we essential? (laughs) We don't essentially, we provide an emergency service. So it actually kind of, for us, we've figured it, it kind of depends on if our customer is an essential service. Right. That's interesting. And, and and of course, and I guess because you, because you are an essential service legally, you can do the work. Um, Yeah. But then there's the question of whether a, you want to put yourself at risk or b and b um you know some people are more paranoid than others right now and that's not to say that that, that they should be or they shouldn't be but look, different people are having different approaches to this i mean the, the the first thing that i kept reading online was that you know these millennials they don't seem to care but the reality from what i'm seeing and hearing is it's actually the boomer generation that mm-hmm. are kind of uh ignoring all of the things and you know uh, ignoring all the restrictions, and it's the millennials that are taking it seriously. I mean, I, I think ultimately, obviously, you just can't generalize anyway. But it's it's quite, right. It's uh, it's it's, a, it's an odd thing to see. Yeah, some people taking it more seriously than others. Some people being extremely. I mean, I'm looking at p- friends of sending me pictures in London of of the tube trains, which are still running, yeah. and they're more crowded than ever. Just absolutely. Right. Meanwhile, here in Rossay, New Brunswick, 
they have quite absurdly closed the parks. Now, the parks were not getting overrun like, for example, you know, um, the National Trust parks in England were. These were parks that you could obviously were the best place to exercise and self-isolate. Um, mm-hmm. So suddenly now you go, well, hang on. So I can't be in a park uh, and there's three other people there. But I can walk on a sidewalk where I obviously have to get closer. I mean, it's 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 a it's a minefield. And you know, again, I've got both both kids at home. Which again, yes. I mean, that's uh, that's three weeks now of trying to a work, b crisis manage, c um, you know, obviously manage finances as well. Um, yeah. Then being told, <laughs> that, yeah, and being told that we've got a homeschool. Um, and uh, yeah, it's um. Well, I mean, again, there's all these words that we're all kind of um, sick of kind of hearing on the news, you know, like unprecedented and, uh, um, you know, needing to pivot and so forth. But, uh, you know, that's yeah. ultimately yeah. what it's all about. I mean, we've been, I'd be, I, that was one of my questions. I mean, I mm. bet you're ha- much more pleased that you're in New Brunswick now than in London. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like I said, I, mean, I do keep joking about the fact that, you know, we were already kind of isolated but yeah i mean the fact that you know i can go out into the garden and again i'm gonna have a, a beach opposite my house i can go down to the beach i can have a bonfire we can we can cook you know i can do things and still follow the uh the quarantine and self-isolation re- restrictions um but yeah i can't imagine what it would like be like to be trapped in 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 an apartment you know on a 50th floor in 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 south london yeah uh, with no backyard and no balcony right yeah. exactly so um I always had this like magical dream that I was going to spend a few years in New York City and stuff. And now I'm like, thank God I'm not right. trapped, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah. And, and it's funny you say that because that's, it's good. It, I mean, as we know that everything that's happening now is going to affect everything forever. I mean, right, right down to yeah. the fact that our kids, kids are going to be asking us, you know, you know, well, your granddad, what was it like during the 2020 pandemic? This is if we don't all die next year, of course. This is if the world right. doesn't end. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, it, it's going to be talked about for decades to come. But also, um, I mean, even my, my six-year-old keeps saying to me things like, Daddy, do you remember before the coronavirus we yeah. had to do this? And it's become like, a, and, and to a six-year-old's mind, three weeks is, of course, a very long time. So it's become yeah. like a kind of a before Christ, Anno Domini, BCAD thing for him. Um, yeah. Where it's like, and, and that, even when things do go back to normal, if, if, if they ever do, um, we're never, there's so many things that we're not going to do the same. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, there's businesses that are going to be affected for, for years and decades to come, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely going to change how we all live. I mean, will anyone ever want to go on a cruise ship ever oh, again? The biggest nightmare. Yes. I mean, the, I mean, I always found that the prospect of a cruise a nightmare anyway, but then you factor in uh, this deadly virus. Um, and again, like you say, like New York City, uh, with a dream for a lot of people is to live in cities like London and New York, Toronto, all the rest of it. You know, is this going to cause a, a kind of a, a, a exodus to the countryside and more people? Can, is this going to be the best thing ever for New Brunswick and people are going to want right, to move right. to more isolated places? Um, it's uh, yeah, it's going to change absolutely everything. I mean, I, I mean. I'm certainly never going to not appreciate. I mean, as you, we've talked about this before, I always appreciated doing what I did before anyway. But I mean, now I, I really will never complain about anything ever again once I can get out of this. Right. I know, because nothing is, is, is worse than what this is. And it's yeah. it's funny that you mentioned, you know, like two weeks ago, 
I was have I kept day to day I was having the debate: Am I overreacting today or am I underreacting yes, today? Yes. And now two weeks later, the answer is you were always underreacting. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, that's exactly it. And um, yeah, and I'm sure you've been to this as well. I mean, the the, the roller coaster of emotions where. You know, you wake up and you're like, okay, I don't need to get out of bed. Right? I don't need right. to. I can sit here and just watch a movie on my laptop. But I mean, most days I've been quite good at just for the for my own sanity, getting up, showering, shaving, um, you know, g- 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 putting on the kind of clothes that I would wear to a meeting um, and and just trying to carry on and, and as normal. But it's funny, but equally you have those dark days when you think, what is the point? Um, right. Uh, and I think all of us every day, and again, I mean, I am, I have been trying to, I mean, again, the first couple of weeks you do uh, embrace the positive of like, well, I'm always wishing for more time at home with the kids, more time to watch right. movies. Uh, That's the, I mean, I've been thinking back and forth, like, what would this situation be like for such and such a person or whatever, you know? And, uh, like, you know, you, I mean, you still are very blessed that you, you know, have a family at home. Mm. Um, to be alone, yes. live alone right now, I think would be just awful. Yeah. Um, I was lucky in that, uh, you know, I'm not married, but at least my 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 parent, my mom lives around the corner. Yes. So I pretty much moved back home. Right. Smart. Yes. <laughs> I was like one one. I think I'm less at risk yeah. in the family house than I am in a condominium. Yes, right. Definitely. And two, you know, the company is nice, so we don't both of us go insane. Of course, uh, and and you're going to remember this time so fondly in in years to come, having that kind of quality because. Yeah, how often do you spend that kind of amount of time with your parents? So it's so it's it's mm. a, it's a, it's it's kind of embracing that. Which well, and some people are in the opposite; like they can't go see their parents. Right, you know? so, right. Um, I've been lucky in that way. Um, the other day, I was having a con- I was having a conversation with a buddy yesterday. It's like, what do like what are fresh couples doing? Right, you know, like are they? Like, are they moving in early, the earlier than they should? Are they not seeing each other now? Or are they just breaking all the rules? Like, <laughs> yes, no, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, mean I can't, you know, there's, there's just so many uh, awful t- scenarios for different people to be in. And, and yeah. again, I mean, I'm, I, I definitely stayed positive for the first few weeks and enjoyed, uh, you know, be, being, I mean, and as you know, I'm a huge movie buff. So I was loving kind of yeah. being able to watch. I, I'm definitely, one thing I can safely say now at the end of week three is I am sick of movies. Like, uh, I, yeah. I, I'm, uh, uh, that, that I'm, um, you know, kind of done with. I mean, but then equally, I mean, I, I, about a year ago, I had a, a discussion with a book publisher about writing a book. And every day I would wake up and think, when am I going to write this bloody book? And of course, now the answer is now. This, I mean, yeah. I, will, yeah. I will never be gifted uh, a what I thought would be a few week period. But I think we all know now will be a three month period yeah. uh, to focus on the book. And and because of my kind of, you know, uh, uh, overactive um, attitude to life, uh, I would never have focused on it any other time. I would never have, yeah. e- even if I'd kind of put aside some time to do it. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to do that. But it's, um, I definitely feel thankful, like yourself, you know, and you mentioned this, like the fact that both of us have our hands in lots of pies, which yeah. kind of means that, you know, if, if one one area you can't do, you can, you can do the other area. And, um, I mean, you know, again, if my sole income was stand was being in rooms of a thousand people, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it would be it would be a disaster. But of course, I mean, inevitably, the, I mean, on the magazine side, of course, the next issue is not going to be 
full of advertising. You know, I mean, right. it's, for most brands, the priority right now is not uh, is not advertising either because they can't sell anything. Yeah. Um, and or if they, they yeah, they don't have any. Yeah, exactly. And and it's one of the first things that gets cut often is uh, marketing expenses. And that mm-hmm. said, we do have some advertisers. We do have some people that had booked before. Um, you know, companies like uh, New Brunswick Liquor, of course, they're open. And I'm sure business is booming because we can all drink all day every day now. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but and then on the plus side, and again, not not the ever want to kind of uh, sound like you're boasting about any kind of um, p- benefiting from this, but but it is. The reality of just trying to survive our subscriptions have we've probably done more subscriptions for the magazine in the last three weeks than ever before in a three-week right. period um, i think it's a good i mean look at the positives in this i think every day you've got to look at the positives of right that's it what you have. so i think that i don't think that's uh a bad way to look at it at all nice no it's it's true and i feel happy when i see you know i think about the fact that clearly for grocery stores and and all the liquor um you know all the government liquor shops and the cannabis shops any business that can actually be uh functioning right now if they are doing if they are doing well or better or coping that's a good thing because i mean the economy is going to take so long to recover from all of this yeah and um to be honest yeah if those subscriptions weren't going up the way they were um you know i don't know how long we could keep um producing the magazine printing it distributing it paying photographers paying writers because the one thing we're not going to do we're not going to start paying uh contributors less because of this we're going to pay them exactly the same as we always did right um you know so how how is that affecting the magazine as far as uh you know obviously you can't do kind of in-person photography yes um it's a good question yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there's tons of freelancers, artists and stuff that are, are very affected by this as well. So uh, how are you guys going to adapt, say, the next issue if you, you can't, yeah, this is, you can't uh, do, you know, photo shoots? And, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, in interviews, we found a way we can still do it. That's but. it. That's it. And this and, and uh, yeah, as you say, I mean, this is the, the I mean, this is the wonderful thing. I mean, this technology we're using now to record this, I hadn't heard of it till now. And, and from what I can mm-hmm. see, it seems to be working beautifully. I can I can hear you perfectly. It sounds like we're in the same room. Um, I had not even heard of Zoom two weeks ago. And now Zoom is no. my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm like having like night evenings in the pub where like where you're with like four school friends and you've got like a pub background on the Zoom screen and you're sat there drinking. You're thinking, why the hell didn't we do this before? Um, right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, again, that's one of those interesting things that after this uh, pandemic's over and or you know or indeed things go back to normal somewhat like uh, there's a lot of things like that where we like where people are are traveling to to have meetings and they now realize they don't need to they can do it from home which of course saves the environment saves on gas um uh saves on expense all those things um but yes sorry to answer your question um i guess timing wise we've been quite fortunate in that we just uh, our new issue came out on march the 8th um, okay. Which, um, of course, means that there's lots, there's lots of copies of the magazine sitting in stores that aren't allowed to open, mm-hmm. like uh, Indigo and Chapters. Obviously, um, we will see how the sales are going in places like Superstore and Sobeys and the places that are allowed to open. Um, again, we saw this huge surge in subscriptions and single copy orders and also digital copies. People buying digital copies on the website. Right. Um, and uh, being a quarterly title, our next issue out is out at the end of May. Um, we, we we work kind of so far ahead almost in the content that I had most of the content either commissioned or was certainly done if, and if it hadn't been written um, already. 
for this next issue and actually probably have enough close to for the following issue, um, which, of course, is is. Uh, very lucky um grace yeah absolutely we're also very lucky that we're not trying to print an issue right now because of course our printers who are based in quebec are actually shut right now um Mm -hmm. they hopefully will be up up and running again by the end of may so uh that was um if we were trying to print now again we wouldn't be able to um Mm The one thing we are doing is, of course, take all of the editorial, which is uh, about, as always, you know, either um, artists or business leaders, entrepreneurs, people doing great things um, or, you know, or ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Um, we're basically just updating the text in a lot of cases. So um, the, one of the features we have is on the band Neon Dreams. Um, mm. uh, the feature was written. Uh, it doesn't need a huge overhaul, but what it does need and did need was a few uh, paragraphs added about how uh, Neon Dreams uh, coped, A, with obviously the cancellation of, of lots of gigs, which again, I mean, it, that that's a fact. We didn't need dwelling on. What we decided to do is embrace and celebrate the way in which they're using this time to uh, engage with their fans and the things that, mm-hmm. they, that they did and the way that they... Um, try to uh, reach people whether it be through kind of you know isolation gigs and so forth um i mean yeah the, and i mean the comedian steve patterson uh host of cbc's debaters um has started doing a, a, a kind of a virtual chat show out of his home uh i noticed and uh there was a wonderful quote that i just read this morning on twitter that he had put where he said um it's something on the lines of like we i think we you know we can all accept now that there isn't any light at the end of the tunnel so we need to find some light in the tunnel and, mm. and i just thought that was a, a a beautiful um way of looking at it and really that so that's how we're kind of steering the editorial is the content was done but we're basically just making sure that it's all relevant and um but uh, uh, as you so wisely mentioned before because everything does change not just every week but every day who knows what's going to happen uh between now and then and it could mean that everything's going to need this kind of huge overhaul uh again at the at the, at the last minute but i mean that's that's our job that's that's what we um that's that's what we need to do to keep it current and keep it relevant and um and you know and let's face it i've got plenty of time on my hands to do it now <laughs> right well, I, I found too like one 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 thing i didn't want to get into which was i found you know when you're fresh out of school and you're doing the whole job hunt thing yeah. Was the less the less busy you were, the less almost the less productive or the less uh, ambitious you felt. Yes. And I find I'm more ambitious the like the busier and the more I'm doing. Absolutely. Um, which is kind of like one of those battles, like when you have the time. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, it. you're struggling. You're struggling with it. So, like, I I don't know if if you've what maybe if you've got methods too, but I've like left a list almost for myself. Yeah. Each day, you know, get to this. I mean, it depends again on how busy work can be. Yeah. That day. But I've left myself and and yeah, like restricting things like don't sit on the couch and watch a movie more than once in a day. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm absolutely with you there. I mean, I'm staring at my list right now, and 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 it, we've, I know we've we've talked about this before, and 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 it's so um, you're so spot on, and we're so similar in that way that uh, you know, I I I have like most people, and and it, all of us, we have that kind of lazy part of us that does just want to mm-hmm. lie on the couch uh, in sweatpants and 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 watch a movie all day. Um, but then I also have that kind of drive, like you do, where if I write a list and I write at the top of it. Saturday or Sunday, whatever the day is, mm-hmm. I have to tick everything off that list. 
um, yeah. otherwise I will lose my mind. So, um, and it's funny that, yeah, it's exactly what you said about the busy you are, the more ambitious you are. It's like that famous phrase when they say, you know, in an office environment or indeed any environment, if you, if you want something done, ask the busy person, don't ask the person that's twiddling their thumbs. Yeah. And it's so true. Like if I'm, if I'm sat there, uh, I mean, yeah, I know that when I've got 20 things on the go and someone writes and says, can you do this? I do it immediately. Because I'm like, well, get that out of the way because I've got this other stuff to do. Um, whereas if I've got nothing to do and someone says, can you do this? I'm like, yeah. And then it, and, and then I won't do it. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, my thing has been literally making these lists. And it, and I mean, the, the list might be, you know, um, uh, write this article and, and record a video for YouTube doing this. Um, but it also, I also have on the list for these past couple of weeks, it's like clean the bathrooms, um, you know, because obviously, I mean, the cleaner can't come in um and and again it's that thing where suddenly you're kind of relearning things that you kind of almost forgot yeah, how absolutely. to do i also have on the list like 100 push-ups you know so it's like oh yeah i'll do them in increments i'll do you know 25 and then uh, leave it a few hours and feel a great satisfaction in ticking those 100 push-ups that is so yeah that's been, aside from the social effects i think that's been for me the biggest yes you know like, you I'm work spending- out a lot been spent yeah i'm used to yeah. spending you know an hour and a half in the gym five days a week right i was and, and i was going to ask you about that like how are you how are you coping with that kind of yeah. because and, and to be honest especially because i work from home that is also a big part of my social life yeah you know um so yeah. it, not being at the gym has not only affected physically but socially um and it is tough i think that's been the hardest part is finding ways to stay active yeah. not not necessarily active but like you know at least for now we can still go for runs yeah. and stuff like that and i do like to run so yeah. uh my i have to say my kilometers have actually increased wow that's amazing <laughs> it's yeah. like the highlight the highlight of my day that's how i'm getting out yeah um but you know you can't you can't run every day or at least i can't because it starts my you know my legs my knees start to ache yeah, and stuff like that so uh, luckily, over my mom house, mom's house, there's a uh, a stationary bike, and um, I actually I uh, I digged out a skipping rope that oh, I can yes. do in the backyard. Um, but as far as like weights and stuff like that, it is very limiting. Like I only have I have a couple twenty pound dumbbells at home, but right. you know when you're used to having a hundred machines and yeah, and, you know that has been the trickiest part. And it's yeah, more body weight stuff push-ups and and it is it's it's actually a, a good learning experience too and what you can learn but it is one of the things that harder to be motivated to exercise at home by yourself and totally you know, yeah. in the restrictions of your home that is a, a challenge for sure yeah and it's it, and it's a, it's a difficult one because they you know they're saying i mean especially like i say here where they're where they're closing uh parks and so forth and it's <laughs> it's um it's a tricky one because we already had already had a kind of you know health obesity crisis in the country and yeah. um and you know suddenly now everyone's being told uh sit on your couch and it's um yeah and and that tends to not go hand in hand with with healthy eating um right. and so yeah it's uh, i mean i've been i mean yesterday again i i didn't fancy again same as you like i can't go for a run every day um so i just started i actually just started just walking up and down my driveway just to kind of right, you yeah. know um eventually we might be restricted to that so that's true yeah that's absolutely true yeah i'm sure you saw that yeah. video of the guy who ran a marathon on his balcony no way. yeah the, yeah this guy was basically uh training for a marathon and um and basically yeah did whatever it is the 29 miles whatever on a on a um on a balcony and it was a short balcony like we're talking i don't know it was probably like five steps and he was just going back and forth for like five hours yes, yeah exactly yeah it's crazy i mean and, yeah. and again it's um 
I mean, it's funny, like it, it almost feels um, so long ago now, but it's funny. I mean, I didn't even, we were talking about stuff being canceled and it's just funny how uh, three weeks ago, like now we kind of have just accepted that nothing's happening. But I mean, my, my, yeah, my, yeah. my, my wife has for years wanted to do the London Marathon and was, and was all signed up to do it this year. And, oh, it, and no yeah, like two weeks ago was, was still training and yeah, we still thought it might go ahead. And I think that was the thing was, was two weeks ago, we were kind of like, well, you know, everything will be back to normal in June. And like I said, I mean, I was postponing shows from now to June and thinking, yeah. okay, you know, full steam ahead on the June promotion. But now, even though that's like, you know, two months away, I mean, I mean I'm actually about to pull some stuff or postpone some stuff in July because I just, I can't see it going from you can't see anyone to you can have a thousand people in the room. Like, yeah, you know, that's what I, think uh, you know like here in toronto anyways uh, mayor tory has uh you know closed all public spaces until the end of june but like you said even right. if we have some normality back in june yeah i don't think we'll be doing you know large you know amphitheater exactly. gathering until who well who knows when i don't even want to say yeah but it's it's funny how you say day to day it's like changing because you know mar in the beginning even the beginning of march um i did an interview with a couple bands on march 10th i just looked in my calendar yeah and in that interview i listened to it again recently i asked one of the bands how are you being affected by this coronavirus and this was just march 10th not even a month ago yeah and they said well not so much we're just being <laughs> we're just having you know we're just making washing our hands more yeah. you, know? <laughs> you know and i i was in their tour bus with them shook their hands you know all that yeah literally not a week later every tour on the planet was canceled right you know? yeah. and it's it started here with in toronto the first the first thing to be canceled and was a big thing was pearl jam we're starting their well like north american tour right here in toronto right. and they canceled they canceled and everyone was going oh what a bummer like it was so close yeah. and do, do we really need to do that and now it's like yeah, of course. <laughs> like, yeah. of course you can't have 15,000 people in a room. Right. But isn't that yeah. weird to think that yeah, we just thought like, yeah, like as you say, you know? Yeah. And the fact that now, I mean, yeah, there's nothing. The, uh, uh, Olympics, just for laughs. London Marathon, Glastonbury. Yeah. You name it. But um, yeah, exactly the same. Uh, I mean, I remember, it was, I mean, it's, look, it's not even the 11th. What is it? Yeah. I mean, so I'm, on the 11th of March, I remember this it was my birthday. And uh, my agent called me and she was saying, OK, how are we going to navigate? Because um, there, there was a, a couple of corporate gigs were canceling because of the this virus thing. And I'm like, what? And she was phoning me to say, like, they're asking for their deposits back. And I was saying, of course, you know, of course we can't pay the deposits back. They're canceling. It's there. You know, it's ludicrous that they're canceling. And she said, well, and she said, you know, you should start thinking about some of your tour dates and whether or not you're going to do them. And I was literally saying, like, that is ridiculous. You know, I'm I'm not changing anything. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. And that was the 11th, which, again, I mean, it's just only just over three weeks ago. And it's yeah. mind boggling to think that I was literally poo pooing this whole thing as being nothing. And now. Yeah. um. And the other thing is, I mean, not only do I now obviously acknowledge how important it is that we all do this, you know, I can't see my, I mean, I was, some gigs I was supposed to be doing in a few weeks in BC. Um, I was talking to the promoter about, you know, new dates and he proposed November. And I, I'll be honest, I mean, I, I, I'm not a, 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 a overly kind of cautious or paranoid person, but I don't know if I'll actually want to be getting on a plane 
in, in November. No. Um, mm. Less, I mean, partly for myself, but also my, I just don't want to be someone that, that, that accidentally carries it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, that's, that's my biggest concern is yeah. uh, not necessarily that I'll get it, but exactly. especially being that I'm going to pass it on to, to my mother, you know, that's, exactly, or some, yeah. you know that's, that's exactly. my, my number one concern and, yeah. uh, and then anyone else, you know, yeah. so yeah, but uh, I, I got to have a, a good story. Maybe you can tell your wife this so she feels less bad about yeah. not being able to do the London Marathon. <laughs> I have a, a very uh, tragic London Marathon story that happened to a cousin of mine <laughs> who moved to London about four years ago. Yeah. Signed up for the London Marathon, of course, trained six months or whatever for it. Yeah. They had a heat wave in London the, the weekend of the marathon. Yes. And uh, so he's and he doesn't run well in heat <laughs> at all. And after six months of training, he collapsed a mile from the finish line. No way. Yeah. I, mean, I, I it's funny, I remember I have a friend also that ran that same that same one and I remember hearing about it. But yeah, like running in heat's like the worst. Yeah, yeah. And he woke up in a tent. Oh my and goodness. He woke up in a tent and they they're like, Yeah, we picked you up a mile from the finish and they offered they offered to take him back. Oh, and no. he wanted to walk to the finish line. You know, and this was like an, a couple hours later. Yeah. And at that point, he was like, "Forget it. I'll do it another year." Like, <laughs> I'll do it. In, yeah, I'll do it in twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Probably. But we actually ended up like. I mean, one of the amazing things about you know living in London is the ability at one point the ability to travel anywhere for cost effectively. So I think he did it. Uh, I think six months later in. Yes, I think somewhere like in, in Holland or something oh, like that. Oh, wow, nice, nice. While yeah. he still had, you know, the training ethic in him. Um, but I, 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 like, I felt so, because I've run one marathon and I know <laughs> the, the, what it takes to finish. Right. So it was like to, to do that in a kilometer from the finish is just, oh. That is, yeah, that's, that, that's, and especially least, knowing. That, your wife didn't collapse a mile from the finish line. <laughs> yeah, and knowing that he could have done it easily without that heat is just painful. Yes, exactly, oh. exactly. So, yeah, I mean, you and I both being very uh, people who whose livelihood revolves around speaking with people and being around people. Yeah. Uh, and even more so comedy being a, a career where, you know, being in front of a live audience is the entire career. Right. Um, what, what have you been doing uh, to say, you know, keep your fan base um, active or, 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 or keep your career moving? Yeah. That's a, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. It's, um, uh, so the, as soon as this kind of happened and once we realized, you know, again, how, serious it was and how long it was going to go on you know lots of people were writing to me saying you know you should do one of these quarantine gigs do a kind of pay-per-view gig from your home and um mm -hmm. and i'm not ruling out doing that at any point but at the start of all this i was not um I, I was not really in the mood to do that i just had all of these kind of big sold out shows with thousand people cancelled and I was kind of, you know, mentally not really wanting to go from prepping for that to doing a gig in my home to three people, uh, a <laughs> six-year-old, uh, a nine-year-old, and a 45-year-old. Um, Which, half uh, the jokes you probably can't tell, Exactly, right? <laughs> you can't tell. And also to uh, the three people that, that not particularly fond of my comedy at the best of times. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, they live on a day-to-day -day basis. So. Yeah, that's it. And I... Um, I 
uh, I have friends who've uh, since this. So, so basically, at that time, I wasn't overly keen on the idea of doing the quarantine uh, gig thing. It may happen. Um, but what I decided to do uh, to kind of alleviate uh, the disappointment that anyone might have felt about the cancelled shows was release my last stand-up special, uh, Almost Canadian, free of charge on YouTube. And so I just uploaded the whole thing rather than trying that first week. I mean, when uh, all of this was happening, it didn't feel like the right time to try and profit in any way from what was happening. Mm-hmm. So I just um, uploaded the whole thing free of charge. And um, and that was definitely it felt good to do it. It felt like the right thing to do. And, and I think, you know, from a, from a, uh, again, not wanting to always make things from a business perspective, but, but this is the reality of things. It was the the right thing to do in that people definitely seem to appreciate it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and again, I, it, I think it probably got way more views. Uh, we've got, you know, something like 5,000 views in the first few days, which I don't think it would have done uh, any other time, of course. The, right, the, uh, right. Well, I, 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 I'm one of the people that, that benefited from that free. Oh, nice. Free, good, uh, good. The, free, the free version of it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and last we like last we spoke i mean because i mean the whole we don't have to talk about coronavirus the entire time (laughs) that's true that's true (laughs) you're you're probably sick of talking about it um last time we we spoke it was uh right before you're about to do almost canadian yes that's right yeah so so tell me a little bit of how the first experience when you did anything is possible compared to the second uh time doing almost canadian to a a, probably your biggest audience um tell me what that was was like was it more comforting the second time was there more pressure the second time yeah it's a good question i mean i I think i definitely did did feel more pressure in some ways because um the last thing you want to do is when you do something big like play to you know uh, your first kind of arena show and film it for a special and all that stuff um the last thing you want to do is come back two years later and do something less good that that, that that's mm. the kind of the 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 worst thing um so yeah i definitely felt that that pressure to kind of uh match up to the first one the first one had done well it had been well received and and again i mean i'm not someone who who says i'm I'm not i'm not easily uh i I generally don't like i'm I'm very critical of everything i do and i also never really necessarily but i was proud of that first um special anything is possible so i definitely wanted the second one to uh live up to it um and i think when we when we met that time in in toronto and we were we we were face to face like i definitely wanted to uh i think i was saying then i was just doing as many gigs as possible to try and make it uh, as as uh as good as possible and it it it, i think it kind of went to it definitely went to plan i was it was it was odd walking onto that kind of stage again and not feeling nervous of being in front of five thousand people um and it being something that I'd, i'd obviously done before um i guess what's interesting for me watching it now is it's a lot dirtier i think than than the previous one and and mm-hmm. that's something which um i think kind of has stuck out to me now and again i mean people nowadays i mean it's very i think nowadays people are very much used to the fact that that's what comedy is going to be like like you know we you, you turn on netflix now and watch almost any special it's uh far filthier than anything i do there um but uh i was i was kind of aware of it putting it up on on youtube now especially living in a small community where you know you know lots of people and uh and you know you know people for 
from all different walks of life and then you share this thing i mean luckily all the i think with what everyone's going through right now no one's going to be uh, uh offended by anything but I, was, but I was kind of aware of that fact that the second one was kind of dirtier but i think partly that was um the audience uh know me well enough to know uh yeah this is all uh just for fun so whatever right. whatever makes people laugh that's i'm a great believer whatever makes people laugh that's what counts it's it's interesting actually that you had said when because i was thinking about it just now the the so the second time we met was right before that the, that second special the yes. first time we met was actually almost exactly two years ago yes that's right you were here, yeah and it was it was a little bit after the first special so it's yeah. kind of interesting that the perspective on on each each interview we've had that's right uh, yeah and moments. i was i don't know if you remember i was actually and now it seems like the craziest thing but that day we met the first the first interview we did i was heading to the airport after right. to get on a flight to india yes that's right. and that is about the last thing i want to do right now yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it's it, it's it's crazy isn't it like how uh all of these things are how our lives have changed. I mean, now, now we're just watching, uh, I'm watching like a movie, uh, a show like Ozark and, yeah. and, and, you know, they're dealing with, you know, uh, with Colombian, uh, dealing with Mexican drug cartels, but then I'm watching someone like shake someone's hand going, Oh, like as if that's the most <laughs> dangerous thing that someone's doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And as you say, yeah, you, I remember that. Yes, of course you were, you of, to India and, and the concept now of sitting in a plane. I mean, I, I was always a bit of a, you know, a, 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 you know, I would always carry the hand sanitizer and, you know, mm-hmm. um, was a bit paranoid about stuff like that and hated hearing people sneeze on the plane. But now yeah. the concept of it just horrendous. <laughs> Do you think it's funny because uh, I once heard Joe Rogan complain about comedians doing too many jokes about airports right. and traveling. Right. Because that's like two, that's most of their, they spend so much of their life on the road that that's all they know how to joke about or whatever. Yeah. Do you think when we come out of all this, there's just going to be endless amounts of isolation jokes? And... That's a very, yeah. very good point. I was literally just thinking the exact same thing. Um, I mean, yeah, because I, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be unbearable. But, but then yeah. equally, what else? Uh, what uh, else do we have to joke about? In else, the last? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and it's an old one because I had this tour show that I was touring, the, the shows that I've had to pull and slash postpone uh, for the end of the year. Ironically, this tour was called Embrace Where You Live, which mm-hmm. uh, is now seems oddly prophetic, but given yeah. we have no choice but to embrace where we live now. Um, uh, so it's so it's weird that given my whole the whole premise of the show, as usual, and I mean, I mean, this is kind of my, my, what I tend to talk about. If you boil down what my act is, you know, and again, almost every, every comedian, you can boil them down to having a, a thing or a style. Um, I mean, the thing that what I talk about is essentially it's comparing uh, the craziness of life in a place like London to a small town like Rosslyn, New Brunswick. That's basically mm-hmm. the, 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 the stick of what I do. So it, now that whole 90 minute show, a lot of it seems kind of strange now joking about, oh, this is what it's like there and this is what it's like here. When mm-hmm. right now it's the same for everyone everywhere, wherever yeah, you live. Four walls. Yeah. yeah. All, you know, so, I mean, I definitely have to, I was adapt the material, of course, to that. And some jokes, of course, now just have to go. Of course, I mean, I am getting lots of new, um, you know, corona related material and of course it needs to be addressed but yeah i think i mean it's going to be unbearable going to a comedy club 
the week after this all ends, if it ends. Yeah. Um, and because everyone's just going to be doing this. And of course, they can't not. They can't. Right. Um, they can't ignore it. But also, and that's where, um, you know, th there's always that kind of uh, problem with comedians having the same ideas at the same time. A lot of people are going to be coming up with it. I remember, for example, when uh, in England they started asking, do you want a plastic bag in grocery stores? Um, mm -hmm. And I'd say about a dozen comedians all at the same time, all excellent comedians. But I mean, Lee Evans and, uh, you know, every comedian had the same joke about like going into a store and them saying, you know, you're buying like 50 items and they say, do you want a, 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 a do you want a, a grocery, a, do you want a plastic bag? And you're like, no, I'll carry all of these 50 <laughs> inanimate items. I'll juggle them. You know, um, <laughs> everyone had, they all, again, they weren't stealing the joke from each other. They all just had the same idea at the same time. Right. And yeah. There's going to be a lot of that kind of repetition, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see like, like anything, anything else, you know? And, yeah. uh, I think uh, it's interesting too, especially as we all run out of things to watch. <laughs> yeah, because no, no, no new content. Eventually, at some point, there's no production happening right now. So that's a good point. That's there's a... not going to be any new releases, you know. Uh, yes, that's a very, very good point. I mean, obviously, I mean, there's there's obviously so much. Uh, I mean, the one thing that I guess we should all start to be doing is start to watch all the classic vintage movies that we've never seen like I've, I've never right. seen the seventh seal i mean like i don't know why i thought of that one but that's a exactly yeah. <laughs> i've never um i've never watched i, I don't think i've seen I, i've never seen the lord of the rings movies all the way through again there's all these kind of things which i should definitely um uh, mm. uh but you're right the, the yeah stuff's gonna stop i did see yesterday again this is the one some again some this is a tiny bit of light at the end of the tunnel i saw that in china which of course where this you know uh it was the, the 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 worst place for it um uh is now um they've now gone back into production with some films and tv shows the the, the oh that is the, yeah that is good to hear and, uh, yeah so that they they kind of have, have managed to uh whatever the phrase is straighten the curve whatever it is um enough that, that those things are happening so um again one of the things that i was in talks to do before um all of this broke and and actually interestingly i mean again through this uh i was in talks with doing this uh this show for bell uh five channel uh beforehand mm -hmm. and again it was kind of dragging on partly because i wasn't able to be committed to having calls and meetings uh about it now of course in the last two weeks i've done nothing but focus on it and now it's kind of you know kind of commissioned and ready to happen and essentially the second that you're allowed to have 10 people in a room together again in two months we can get moving on it and again i don't know if i would have been able to do that before um but yeah it's interesting to kind of when you see what's happening in china you kind of go right well that's clearly how this happens it's like we stay isolated for two three months then you know you can gradually Early. yeah, yeah. edge back into things and i guess that's to answer your earlier question about how i'm uh yeah again i'm sick of hearing the word pivot but to how i'm pivoting is uh it kind of having my hands in so many different pies it's like okay well right now i can focus on tv things and and film things mm -hmm. and recording anything that involves recording where you can have uh right now we do it like this but in a couple of months we might be able to have five ten people in a room mm -hmm. yeah and let me i wanted to ask you too because i saw it, it it looks 
very interesting. Last time we spoke, you gave me a copy of Anonymous Zombie. Oh, yes. That yeah. I've seen in. And now I recently saw that you were a part of a film called The Minister. Yes, yes. And I saw, all, I mean, all I've seen of it is a screenshot of you in a minister's outfit in a machine gun. So <laughs> yeah. tell, tell me a little bit about that project. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, so much fun. And again, I mean, I mean, similar kind of situation to uh, Anonymous Zombie where uh, a local filmmaker, the name of Matt Parks, got in touch with me. Um, saying, and I knew him uh, prior to this because uh, we have a shared love, and we've talked about this before, the shared love of VHS videos. And uh, mm -hmm. he and I uh, met a few times. We swapped videos. We would um, inform each other if we were at a yard sale and we saw uh, particular videos that the other one collected. He's in very much into uh, 80s and 90s action and um, action movies, those kind of... Uh, trashy actioners that went straight to video he knows that i'm into kind of those sleazy gory horror movies from that that era and uh we would share tapes with each other and um uh, he uh had a, a a mission and a dream to to make his own kind of homage to those those kind of movies and uh and so would i be interested in getting involved and i said absolutely anytime you need me i'm i'm there and it was super fun to do. And as you saw from the trailer, I mean, he is, he went all out to make this. Yeah. You know, as, uh, and it's, I mean, I think once he can, yeah, you know, we're all allowed out of the house again. And he's, you know, he's premiered it. He's premiered it uh, here in St. John. We had a wonderful event where we actually did a double bill with, uh, and again, I know I've told you before, my love of trauma films. We did a double bill uh, with uh, Troma's latest Return to Newcomb High Volume 2. And Lloyd Kaufman, okay. my hero, and the director of that movie, recorded a, an introduction for us to show at that premiere. And oh, amazing. Uh, Matt has taken the film to other festivals at the Silver Wave Film Film Festival in Fredericton. And I know his plan is to take it. And I think, I mean, it's going to be a, a huge cult hit, I think, because he really nailed the... Uh, the um, Full exactly like basically just getting you know that style down and again i mean i had no idea that all those effects were effects were going to look that mental and uh and yeah he just absolutely um absolutely nailed it and it's just incredibly fun uh essentially the film itself is an extended trailer i hope at some point he does turn it into a full feature but what he's done with those effects and just and again his love and passion for those films really really comes through uh, in that and I just and for me as a fan of those of those B movies and a fan of those VHS kind of nineties actioners to see uh to see myself in that it was yeah a dream really was. <laughs> is where where can where can we watch it? So right now is it, 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 it is literally just that trailer that's available. He is there's he's basically um I again because of the inability now to actually there's some thing that he told me about where they're doing like a an online film festival where the films get aired, but at a certain time. So people all watch them together online um, okay. rather than it just being uploaded and shared that way. So right now it is just that trailer that's there. And uh, yeah, I will, um, once I have the link to how this film festival thing is working, I will, uh, I will let you know. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I saw, you know, you being a big movie buff too. And I saw one of your posts that I, I had a good chuckle at was, how it was right before the Oscars and you had had said something like how the Oscars is, is your world cup. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit what you thought of this year's Oscars. Did you see all the movies? Yeah. Um, you did? Yeah. It's funny. I, I, um, uh, I absolutely loved it this year. I think, um, I mean, obviously the kind of the parasite win just felt 
it's so right yes. and uh just and it's funny like i think for, for you know it's directors like tarantino are what got me into movies like parasite i don't think i used to you know and again he so it felt right that tarantino would lose to uh, a movie and a director like that because right. um, you know he's been a someone that celebrated those films for, for for ever since you know reservoir dogs came out um mm-hmm. but yeah i loved it i mean i would have loved for and it just felt it, it kind of felt like uh almost a kind of avengers assemble of um of uh of movie making in the you know you know growing up watching scorsese movies and then discovering this kind of new young hip director called tarantino and then and then decades going by and of course tarantino becoming uh you know back then he was the young hip you know gunslinger now he's he's the establishment and of course Scorsese yeah. is still uh you know uh, working and is is the kind of the godfather of it and then you know for a director uh like Benny you know who's who's you know made this kind of remarkable film Parasite and again to, for a movie that deserved to win best picture and for it to be the first foreign yeah. language movie um all of those things and and again I mean uh, speeches like I mean Joachim Phoenix's uh speech I think blew everyone away because uh the film Joker, when it came out, of course, very well received, very uh, brilliantly made, um, but kind of at the time people kind of thought was was worryingly giving, you know, people worried it was giving a voice to kind of angry white men and, you know, was it going to kind of um, cause uh, violence? Uh, and of course, all those things keep, seem so old fashioned now. Is it going to cause riots in cinemas? And it's like, as you know, now, the, concept of being in a cinema seems ridiculous Um, right but who would have thought that this film that people kind of uh, wrongly i think thought was this kind of a call to action for for angry white men uh would then uh ultimately um leads to him winning best actor and then coming out with one of the most beautiful uh award speeches of all time um and an award speech which uh, given that it was essentially a, co- a call to arms for, I mean, a kindness, but be veganism, um, mm-hmm. that it didn't really. And, and again, people after Ricky Gervais's, um, uh, you know, um, speech or, or, or you know, uh, hosting um, comments at the at the Golden Globes, you know, it, yeah. it felt like can anyone, uh, can any actor come out and make any kind of impassioned calls to arms speech without now being kind of laughed off stage and made to look like the kind of uh, ludicrous pampered overpaid blah 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 and somehow Joachim Phoenix nailed it I thought like you know uh I, I'm as you know again as, as you rightly pointed out but I, I do love the the Oscars and so forth but I am cynical and I am the guy that if someone comes up and sounds a bit wanky or uh you know mm. I'm, I'm there going oh shut up you know I I do I I have that kind of um you know uh cynical uh, part of me but but you know yeah. Phoenix's speech just made me you know uh teary and uh and 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 again I mean uh uh just yeah I thought it was wonderful and so all of those all of those facets and um again just all of those amazing directors like you know uh Tarantino Scorsese uh of course again it was wrong that that certain uh female directors were uh omitted from um uh, from the category, and again, I mean, again, the the controversy uh, around that was was justified and right. I thought it worked well 
again not having a host so yeah i i really enjoyed it and i thought you yeah, know parasite winning was it was a great thing and it, it wouldn't have felt right for for you know scorsese to uh yeah. sweep the board with the irishman even though i i also love that movie so um um but i mean what you know it, it seems weird what what an incredible time for films you know between uh, Little Women, Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman. Like, it's quite remarkable to have these movies. Which I, is- I thought it was one of the strongest years in a while. Totally. Um, and usually I end up seeing most of the films, but this year I did see all of them. Right, same. And um, I, I, mean, I, I 100% agree that Parasite deserved to win. Uh, personally, actually, Joker was my my favorite year oh, film nice. this year. Nice. Uh, and one another perspective I had on it was it was like it was a fantastic window into um, the damages of not uh, you know treating someone with a mental health issue. Agreed. You know, obviously a very exaggerated version, yeah. um, but there are people who who end up um, where they shouldn't be because because they're not getting the help they need. Exactly. And I thought that was a, an excellent window into that. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and it, I agree. It's it, it's interesting. I think. Uh, I think pe- a lot of people definitely misunderstood thinking that it was this kind of, uh, that it was going to cause violence when actually it was actually, a, a, again, a call, I mean, like his speech, a call to arms for kindness to people. Because, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that gets lost often when talking about mental illness is this idea of, uh, you know, when by obviously pointing out that, that mental illness is, is there and it's inherent regardless of, of, of anything else. It's, it's not, you know, it, but, but, uh, it can be made worse by people uh not being nice uh, you know mm-hmm. um and, yeah. and I think that sometimes gets lost people people think oh well you've got mental illness you, you know you're going to be depressed whatever and it's like well yes that's true uh but you can also uh try and and help that person with you know c- kindness does help and yes you do need other treatment but equally uh being mean is not uh is not going to help <laughs> mm-hmm. right it is yeah, it is, and it's funny. I got, I like I said, I, 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 in this situation right now, I've moved back over to my mom's house for, for the extra company and stuff, and so we've been doing a movie night most nights. Nice. And she hadn't. It was one of the only ones she hadn't seen actually. And again, she also enjoyed it, but uh, for her, it was like the the, the heaviness of it, yeah, uh, the seriousness of it. Even though it is, you know, in a way, it's it's a Batman movie, yeah, but the seriousness of it. Where at the end she was like, "Tomorrow we're watching something that <laughs> something dumb and stupid yeah. and like just so." So I actually got her the day after I got her to watch the Inbetweeners movie oh, for the first time. <laughs> like, nice. I forgot. Like, she's she's British, so she's got my mom. My parents are Irish, right? Yeah. So Northern Irish. So she's got that sense of humor. She understood, but I forgot just how raunchy that movie was. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> and, pure filth. <laughs> yeah it is it is literally beginning to end every single joke is filthy yeah uh but it was uh yeah it was that's, that's funny. but luckily my mom's got that 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 british sense of humor so no, yeah yeah that's exactly and that's the thing after after watching a movie like joker you need to just uh, ha- have a good laugh, and and the in between is yeah, or, or just some kind of shoot 'em up. I think yeah. we watched John Wick one night no, too. And- well, also, some- I tell you what, I just did was we watched. Um, we just did all four Toy Story movies. Oh uh, uh, yeah, and interestingly, did it in reverse. Watched. I mean, and it's yeah. it's it's interesting. I mean, I was reading a review of Toy Story three when it came out by a, a British critic called Mark Commode, and he said it was the, it's the best. A movie trilogy of all time. This was, of course, mm-hmm. before the first, the fourth one had come out. Um, 
And it's interesting because he's possibly right when you think that, uh, I mean, The Godfather, two great movies, one terrible one. Um, there's not many movies where all three have been bona fide five-star masterpieces. And yeah. watching Toy Story 4 in reverse, um, oh, sorry, the, 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 the four movies backwards, uh, is interesting kind of uh, and quite moving. So that's, uh, have you guys, have you seen um, Little Women yet? I have, yeah, yes. Yeah, I saw lovely, yeah. all, the, all the ones. Yeah. Um, and uh, but just a quick before Toy Story three mm. was the closest, uh, the most I've had to hold it together in a theater, right? In a long time, yeah. you know that scene where they're obviously in the in the the fire pit. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I agree. I I mean, I having just sat and watched. I I I mean, I cry a lot in movies anyway, but it's weird. Like my, I don't think I've ever seen my dad cry, but my kids have seen me cry like a thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah did you did you see just because i was thinking of 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 we you know we were talking about uh how not enough uh you know female directors were were honored this year was there any other there was one one snub i thought and, and thought was hilarious that the internet was so irate about it was have you seen uncut gems yet yes yes yeah. and um and, oh sorry go ahead no go ahead well yeah. one there are two two things is that that on that film that i think are hilarious is is one the two hours of fantastic movie, but painful anxiety through the whole movie. It's like, there's almost like I watched it with a friend of mine and we had to pause it at least twice (laughs) for like, you know, a snack or washroom break and just like a breath. And and the other thing was we, we just, we had to, we, we laughed so hard at the fact that we're living now. I mean, this year has become so odd as it is, but a year that everyone is irate that Adam Sandler wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Right. Right. (laughs) And you know the guy who did Jack and Jill a decade ago. <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's funny. I had a, yeah, I had a few. I mean, it's a few thoughts on that. One was exactly that, which is how insane is it? I mean, it goes to show like how uh, in Hollywood um, the ways in which people's career tra- trajectories go. It makes you mm-hmm. realize how none of us need to worry about. There's certain things I often think about, like we think about. I mean, A, whenever I worry about starting uh, things later in life and you kind of think, well, Ricky Gervais didn't start doing comedy till he was 40. And now it's hard to imagine a life, uh, a world without Ricky Gervais. But for 39 years, the guy didn't even, uh, you know, I mean, tell a joke in a public space ever, you know, and now he's one of, mm-hmm. one of the most respected communities in the world. So it's, uh, I always think of that. And I think about Matthew McConaughey was just yeah. a joke. I mean, the guy was, was, was a joke. He was, you know, uh, he just did the same. Uh, I mean, I love these rom-com movies, but he did the same awful rom-com movie over and over again. Mm-hmm. No one could have imagined that he would become uh, an Oscar-winning and indeed one of the most uh, reliable. And again, Adam Sandler, Jack and Jill, the worst movie ever made. Um, <laughs> and then suddenly people are irate with him for not um, being nominated for an Oscar. Um, but then yeah. one thing I did find fascinating um, was, and I don't know, again, this is maybe just, you know, little things that wind me up. After the Oscar nominations came out um, and he uh, he kind of tweeted, you know, no love for the Sandman at the Oscars, you know, and then yeah. the next day kind of was commenting on it uh, in, in a non-comedic way. Like, in a, I just thought, is this 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 does not paint you in a very good light. And I was amazed that people were, this is a, this is a man who has again, made a ton of terrible movies. It's clearly a very talented man. It's, it's a man who has more money than God. Um, he is um, c- c- calling out the fact that 
boo hoo, I've not been given this little gold man to tell me how amazing <laughs> I am. I was paid millions of dollars to do this job. Now, I just thought that that, that was that's just quite a fascinating thing where I, as a nobody and as a, as a, as a, as a, you know, a jobbing comedian who often gets down and feels uh despondent or you know feels uh not snubbed but you know there's there's comp there's 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 awards right. and there's things that happen and i uh, i feel sad that i don't get them but i feel so stupid about feeling sad that i don't i, I don't even verbalize i don't verbalize it to my wife i mean i'll verbalize it to you now but i'll, I'll verbalize it to my wife if <laughs> uh, that you know that uh if i don't get nominated for a canadian comedy award for a thing that i thought i possibly should have done or or, or indeed i'm i'm nominated and then don't win. I don't necessarily think I should have won, but I'm sad about it. But I would never verbalize it because I'm aware of how uh, egotistical and uh, and also more to the point, you are suggesting that you are somehow better than those other. So I just thought to myself, right, what, right. you know, I didn't I didn't actually know about that that tweet. Yeah, that yeah, tweet. and it, and he he he, he talked about it a lot, and I just thought, okay, Adam, if you are uh, clearly so aggrieved that 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 you know. Uh, the, the the 500 million you've got in the bank is not enough uh compensation uh for you doing this job very well you did the job well but you'd want this kind of little gold statuette to to uh, to have the uh, maybe you could tell us who should have been uh not in the yeah, right. Right? <laughs> yeah. that, that, that was what i thought i thought grow a pair of balls mate if you're if you're saying you should have been nominated well who who, who were you better than who were you, should you have taken yeah, yeah were you better than al pacino were you um, <laughs> well and to, to be honest you would think he he would just be pleased that for once the critics aren't crapping all over right. his work. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that that's the Oscar. The Oscar yeah, was the that fact is. that everyone was saying that he deserved um uh yeah, he deserved to be nominated, which he probably should have done. Um but uh, yeah. but yeah, it was, it was uh, fascinating I thought. So so did you did you feel the immense anxiety watching that film that I felt? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, I've had we've all had days like that, of course. But yes, um, and it's um, it's funny. I was watching it after a particularly stressful day of like running around oh, doing cool. meetings, uh, driving to the middle of nowhere to do it. I was sitting at a bed. I remember I was sitting at a bed and breakfast in in Hunter River, Prince Edward Island, uh, watching it. But uh, yeah, I, I absolutely yeah, and I loved it. It's um, it's a uh, it's 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 a completely mental film. It's hard to imagine. I mean, that's what's so great about those uh, those brothers that that made it. Like, I can't imagine how you uh, conceive uh, a thing like that. Mm. And keep that that pace. Yeah, that's it. Entire two hours. Did you? Yeah. Did you? Um, uh, did you, what did you think of the Irishman? I liked yeah, it. So. I liked it, and and I, I get the the argument of it of the length. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I didn't feel. I actually. I, I did it in what I thought was a good way because I, I am a person who sometimes uh, has a hard time sitting the whole way through a really, really long yeah. movie. I actually watched it in two parts. I watched sure. the first half one night and the second half the other night. But at no point did I feel like this is too slow or that I'm not entertained right now. Right. It was a very long movie. And so I think I did it the right way and enjoying it over two occasions. And that's maybe not the right way for everybody. But for me, it was. And at no point did I feel like I'm really bored right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be on my phone or anything like that. Um, I enjoyed it from beginning to end. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny you say that because actually I saw someone um, tweeted out or put something on social media where they actually 
um, broke they broke it up into four parts and basically uh, had basically found spots about kind of 50 minutes in that would essentially work as a nice cliffhanger if it was a four- series. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if it was like a four part series, exactly. And um, and uh, and and apparently it worked well like that, but um. No, it's it, it, it's. Uh, I mean, Goodfellas is my favorite movie of all time, right? That's my, right. yeah, and it's right for itself. Times and and just blown away by and and again watching it, never can imagine that this is a film being made. I just feel like it's. And again, I think I first saw it probably at the age of ten and loved it then. Um, so of course, for a decade or for as long as they've been talking about the Irishman, I was looking forward to it. Um, mm-hmm. And on my first viewing. Uh, well, again, I didn't know much about the whole the, the, the whole Hoffa thing. I didn't really know. Yeah. You know. I knew that a guy called Hoffa had gone missing. That was pretty much it. It's, and this is uh, a quick side note. It's, it's very, because I didn't either. Mm. And it was something fr- funny that, you know, my in my mom's generation, she knew everything about him. Right. And it's like he was, like, she, you know, she explained to me that at the time, uh, she was like, he was everything. He was the news. He was, everybody knew who Jimmy Hoffa was. Right. And now to this generation, it's something that's quite unknown. And, and it was actually interesting. I watched uh, once upon a time in Hollywood with yeah. my mom as well. Right. And that was also, she gave me tidbits about each person that I wouldn't have known. Right. So, interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause, that's, so, sorry, but, Cause that's an interesting uh, fact. Well, uh, an interesting point with once upon a time in Hollywood is that, it does, uh, the whole film hinges on the fact that you at least know what happened to Sharon Tate. I mean, I, obviously, I, I know I knew who Charles yeah. Manson was, he did and stuff, but, uh, but... But I guess what I mean is, is that film, is that it's odd to make this long movie, which hinges yeah. on that, because my wife didn't know. Like, she yeah. she didn't know uh, what happened to Sharon Tate. So at the end of it, she's like, what what was the point of that? Like, and again, I mean, she's not into Tarantino movies. So again, it wasn't it wasn't her. Play. So again, for her, the idea of a 20 minute scene where someone's uh, in a, acting in a cowboy movie wasn't going to be her cup of tea anyway. But mm-hmm. uh, but all of that tension of the film is that we are all what it's the knowledge that we're watching a Tarantino movie and we know that Sharon Tate's baby was cut out of her stomach. So this is going to be this gory ending. And then it's this different type of gory ending. Is yeah. It, well, I mean, spoiler alert. I should say. Um. Um. But I'm sure you've <laughs> seen it now. Um. But the fact that um. But I thought it was yeah. I was. It was just. It seemed odd to me actually at the end when and she was like, well, what? What was all that? And I'm like, oh, you didn't know. And I thought, well, wow, that's that's interesting. Tarantino really is very much relying on people knowing because there will be people going into that movie not knowing mm. what happened to her. Yeah, mine was more so uh I think there was a couple mm. there was a couple of the actors that that Leo DiCaprio's character worked yeah. with who were real people. Yeah. And my mom would even whisper like cuz we saw it in the theaters and she would she whispered mm. to me remind me of this and I'll I'll tell you a story about this person afterwards. Nice, nice. Yeah. And again, I mean yeah, this it made it much more to be honest, it made much more enjoyable knowing these yes, these things. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, but no, I definitely found. Um, so yeah, right now I'm actually I'm almost finished it. I'm reading the book, uh, the Irishman book that which was originally called. Um, uh, I heard I, I hear you paint houses. I heard you paint houses, yeah. which was the first line that um, that uh, Hopper ever said to Frank. But it's um, it's it's interesting now because I love I like the film when I watched it, um, but definitely felt it was over long and definitely got very. I, the one area I got sick of was the back and forth of like, uh, you know, you know, um, uh, Russell wants you to, 
to 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 stop saying things half i'm gonna i'll stop saying i'm not gonna stop saying anything that kind of back and forth bit but then when you read the book you realize that that is really how these guys worked and it's just funny with with mob stuff just how uh they do this kind of i mean as you know i'm kind of fascinated with organized crime um but it's weird how kind of petty so much of it is and like Mm -hmm. and the fact that you know that really that hoffer uh it was ego that 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 got him killed. Like he could have retired on this huge, huge pension, but it was never about money. It was about ego, and and, and he just wouldn't shut up. And um, and also what I find it kind of, I mean, what is just insane now is that you know Hoffer was this legend, this hero, this you know this person that was on the news every day. And as you say, your mum knew who he was, and everyone knew who he was. And yeah, I mean, this was a guy. Uh, well, like the Kennedys, working with the mob to have people killed. Yeah, it's it's um, and again, I mean, you just think, is that still going on now? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you know, you, you, it's true. Yeah. It's true. I think my my favorite scene in the movie was actually uh, the the scene with Jimmy Hoffa, and and it just reminded me of it when you were saying like it was it was really ego that got him killed. Yeah. The scene in the restaurant where he's meeting with um. I don't know the guy's name in real life, but he was in Snatch and he was in Boardwalk oh, yeah. Empire. It's, yeah, it's a, like, yeah, Stephen Graham. Yeah, 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 to- yeah. The scene where Tony, where he Tony comes in, in the shorts, he comes in. They have the meeting, and he comes in in the shorts, and he can't get over that he's meeting him in shorts, yeah. and, and and it's just like a power trip between the two of yeah. them. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I I love that scene as well. That and they, yeah, Tony Pro, I think, was the uh, his name of the of the character of the person in real life, and yeah, it's um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's uh. It's it's a fascinating watch, and again, studying this book, it's interesting seeing how um, how a how accurate it is. I mean, obviously, Scorsese is a master; he really yeah. has does done um, justice to it. And I think the other problem I had with it first on first watch was just what I what seems to me to be this attempt to elicit some sympathy for this stone cold killer at the end of being like, oh, oh boo hoo, he's all alone, is he? And um. And even now, I mean, now having read the book, and the book is, of course, the book is his lawyer has written the book um, and and spent 10 years interviewing Frank and uh, and Frank basically not wanting to really give up much. And as we saw in the film, you know, the FBI tried to get him to... And it's just it just kind of boggles the mind. Hoffer was his best friend, done everything for him. Um, he's told to kill him, so he does, and then refuses to let the family have any type of uh closure for decades you know mm-hmm. not letting them know what happened to their you know uh, father brother you know son um it's it, it just that it's just a mind and, and then to try and elicit some kind of form of sympathy for this for this man but i guess really what was interesting was it, it was kind of scorsese's attempt really to having he never did glamorize crime of course and goodfellas definitely showed the downside but that thing the, the the technique throughout the film where they keep popping up on the screen like how they all died it's clearly like you know this kind of study of mortality and just the fact that this lifestyle is just so ludicrous i mean this is what i've always found i think so interesting with organized crime is is, is this kind of you know all of them comes i mean come to this kind of sticky end or yeah. um yeah and obviously there's uh, examples like russell buffalino who do live uh to an old age but um, they, you know, for the most part, they kind of it comes to this kind of sticky end, either obviously, you know, d- death or jail. But also, it doesn't look like a very easy life. This is what I've always found so fascinating. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, it's like I mean, the same with like where, with Hell's Angels, how you know it's like you know, oh, I'm gonna 
you know, I live to ride, born free, but I'm going to wear a uniform and turn up whenever I'm told to and all this stuff. It, it, um, I, I find it, um, yeah, it, and, the, and again, I mean, I would never want to be a, a criminal. I would never want to cause harm to people. But the main reason I would not get involved in organized crime is it looks like too much hard work, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're probably going to die at the yes, end of it. Yes, you're going to die or live in jail. And, um, and I mean, no amount of money for me would be worth being on call 24 hours a day. Well, I think like, I think like what you, yeah, it's true. I think what, what you said before, I think it starts maybe with money and then it turns into like ego and power. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's the same. With, and it's the same, you know, again, like a, a Hollywood look at it. If you look at anything like the Sopranos yeah. or sons of anarchy yeah. is the characters that are in it at the beginning. Most of them are not in it by the end. Yeah, That's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's um, yeah. yeah. I just, I just, you know, I could never do a job that involved if I was having a quiet night in with the missus, and then someone phones me up and disturbs my couch time because I have to go and do something. And whether, <laughs> yeah, yeah, regardless of what that thing is, but especially if it's going and putting a bullet in my best friend's head. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Uh, I know. Different lifestyles, eh? Yeah, uh, James, I don't want to keep you yeah. too, too long. We're over, we're over our, our, hmm. the time I was supposed to have anyways. But I did want to end on, on a positive yeah. note and a positive story and i found this great story on your social media about a nurse law yes and yeah. I, I was wondering if you could tell that to our listeners yes of course and um uh again mind-blowing and again this was going to form a, a a big part of the the show that i'm i'm touring and probably still will but not in the way that i'd hoped um but basically out of the blue uh a few months ago i got a, a message on facebook from a, a woman named cheryl and she wrote to me and she said, uh, hi, James, you don't know me, but I was just wondering, were you born in uh, the Royal Canadian, and very odd, actually, also, that was uh, born in this, uh, were you born in the Royal Canadian Hospital in Taplow in Berkshire in 1978? And I said, yes, I was. Now, it's, again, odd that I end up living in Canada, married to a Canadian. I was born in the Royal Canadian Hospital and had no connection to uh, Canada prior to meeting my wife, other than being born in this hospital. And I said, yes. And I said, why? And she said, oh, wow, this is incredible. She said, my sister um, was just going through a box of stuff from her uh, midwife days. And she found a note written from a mother, uh, but written in the style as if it was written from the baby, thanking her. And it said, dear Nurse Lyle, thank you for uh you know looking after my mummy um and delivering me safely you know love you but but and it was me by by, by me my mum had written it for me and uh yeah and she'd found this note and her sister had said why don't we look and see where this child is now and the, and and this nurse last of us ridiculous as if we're gonna as if we're gonna find him you know that was and she was like well james manager was not a very common name and she types in the name and discovers that I live down the road from her. And, uh, and it just, it was absolutely bizarre. So she said, she says, you were, I, I can't believe it. And is this right? You live in Rosse? And she said, I said, yes, she said, I live in Rosse. So I got in my car and I drove down there. And then, um, I, I was going to tell this insane story. Um, three weeks ago on stage at the Imperial theater, that was the, the, the day after this all kicked off the, the coronavirus. Yeah. So it was the 14th of March I had this show, and it was the Friday the 13th, the day before. It was the morning of I had to pull the show for the following night. Sold, been sold out for about six months. Uh, 900 people were going to be in that theatre. Uh, Nurse Lal had flown from L.A. to come here for the show. And I, oh, wow. I was going to tell this story. And I told the story on stage a few times about how, again, this woman wrote to me and 
turned out I sister lived around the corner. And um, people would cry in the audience. Like it would bring tears to people's eyes. And I was, so I was really looking forward to ending this show by telling this story, getting everyone kind of feeling emotional. And then the spotlight was going to zoom over to the bo royal box at the side of the stage. And Nurse Lyle was going to stand up and we were going to kind of embrace for the first time in 42 years. And, oh my God. Um, and I was going to make some stupid joke about, you know, like, you know, like she, she was lit probably she was literally the first person to a touch me, the first person ever to see my penis. Uh, <laughs> you know, does she recognize me with my clothes on or all, all, all this kind of stuff? Uh, we were going to have all this kind of wonderful exchange. And uh, so that was another reason why I was so devastated when that show got pulled because she had come here for that. And uh, oh, wow. but anyway, we did. I didn't even know that part. That's yeah, that's incredible. But then we did get to meet that day, even though we couldn't do it on stage. And again, I should point out for anyone that wants to watch my my son, my nine year old son, shot a YouTube video of us meeting uh, for that first time. And um, uh, I should point out that it was before all of the social uh, uh, distancing yeah. restrictions. So. Uh, uh, don't write to me and tell me I was breaking the rules because it was before. It was when, it, it was basically, I, I was at that cusp of where you couldn't have a thousand people in a room, but you could have five in a room. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that was one of those wonderful kind of small world moments when... Um, small world stories are some of my absolute favorite, same, favorite stories. Same, yeah. It, uh, it blew me, it blew yeah. me And yeah, definitely, it was a, that was a lovely kind of final thing to do before... Being isolated, being locked in the house now for yeah, the final yeah. three weeks. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's I think it's a beautiful story to wrap up our our our, our episode, our third episode together. Yeah, no, like we you were... mentioned, our email. I look forward to uh, the fourth, yes. where we hopefully are allowed to be in the same room again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's uh, you know, and I I, I always love love talking to you, mate, and uh, really appreciate you. Uh, getting in touch and it's again it's nice we always we, we always do this when we're all at, we're both at different stages in our life or indeed different things are happening yeah. in the world so uh no really. honestly i really appreciate it adam always absolutely james always a pleasure to have you on like, and we look forward to the next one likewise mate thank you Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.